welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda. Breaking down news of the day, the incomparable Sharon Reed, who is a remarkable contributor for TYT Sports. Amazing all-star herself. Should be fascinating. Top story of the day, hell of a thing. DA Fonnie Willis has spoken out for the first time about the allegations that she has an inappropriate office romance with one of the special prosecutors in the case where one of Donald Trump's cronies and criminal co-conspirators is alleged. Here's some of the background, here's, here's what she said. She pushed back on the criticism over her appointment of Nathan Wade, one of three special counsels on the case. I appointed three special counselors, is my right to do. Paid them all the same hourly rate. They only attacked one. Willis did not mention Wade by name, nor deny an alleged affair, but claimed race is behind the scrutiny of Wade's appointment and that $650,000 in legal fees Wade has been paid so far is legitimate, despite critics who say both have allegedly benefited from the cash by taking lavish vacations together. In a statement, an attorney who represents Trump co-defendant Michael Roman denied race playing a role, writing, if anybody doubts our claim that Nathan Wade is inexperienced, ask him how many RICO cases he has handled, ask him how many felonies he has tried. After all, you saw the Fanny, Fanny Willis. You saw that deal? At a campaign appearance Sunday in Iowa, Trump suggested Willis's alleged relationship as a conflict of interest disqualifying the case. But Willis claims Trump and others have attacked her for being a black woman in power. First thing they say, oh, she gonna play the race card now. But no God, isn't it them who's playing the race card when they only question one? I must highlight some realities here. Number one, I don't give a damn who she may have been, currently is in a relationship with. Makes absolutely no difference as to the rights of the client. Understand, let's keep the main thing, the main thing. A grand jury, special purpose, grand jury, state of Georgia, recommended indictment. A normative grand jury was then convened, recommended true bill, which led to the indictments that you see now. Two juries properly impaneled, affixed to the Georgia Constitution. All of the rights of the defendant have been adhered to, every single one of them. Additionally, The reality is this, there are three special prosecutors on this case, three. Two are white males, the third is a black male. One of the allegations is that the black male is getting paid too much money to work the case. When the black male is getting paid the same exact amount of money as the two white male prosecutors on the case as well. Put up the picture full mass. DA Fonnie Willis, this is what happens when you try to prosecute a well-connected, well-regarded white male 
who happens to be the former president of the United States. Fulton County Dean Farnham Willis addressed the congregation at the historic Big Bethel AME Church. This is off of Auburn Avenue in Atlanta with a message that highlighted her challenges and triumphs while being the county's first female DA. Willis addressed the appointment of Nathan Wade as a special prosecutor on the election interference case involving former President Donald Trump. Quote, once again, I appointed three special counsels, as is my right to do. But they only attacked one, Willis said. Willis explained much of the scrutiny she's faced after Wade's appointment is unfair and racially motivated. And they continue to say the word affair, affair, affair. She's not married, he's not married. But the terminology affair indicates something else is happening here other than, you know, a possible potential relationship, rumor thereof. Donald Trump tried to steal a whole country, okay? Donald Trump is on record cheating on his wife with an adult film star. Facts. The morality of the right did not get outraged about these things. They made him president of the United States. Donald Trump said he would just go up to a woman and grab her by the private parts because he's famous and he can do it. And they made him king, president for now. There's more. Quote, the only or they only questioned one. Isn't it them playing the race card when they constantly think I need someone from some other jurisdiction to tell me how to do a job I've been doing for 30 years, Willis said. She also expressed hurt as many of her harshest critics are women. Quote, I never want to be a Marjorie Taylor Greene who has never met me, but has allowed her spirit to be filled with hate. Let's be very clear. When you assemble a team, everybody does not have the same strengths. That would be silly. If everyone had the exact same strength, that means everyone has the exact same weakness. You are correct to the naysayers. Mr. Wade does not have the same level of prosecutorial experience when it comes to RICO. Ms. Willis recently got her experience a few years ago in a major case that I actually opposed when she used the RICO Act to charge teachers. I opposed her publicly. It was the wrong move. Thankfully, many of those sentences got overturned and those teachers were summarily set free. Sometimes a person on a prosecutorial team any legal team is there to supervise, to edit, to cross T's, dot I's. It's your trusted confidant, the person you know at the end of the day, they're gonna make sure every filing is proper, that every code is researched, and that every hour that is possible will be dedicated to this case. So they wanna make it once again about things that are not the main thing. Just last week, one of the co-defendants in the high profile election meddling case alleged that Willis and Wade have a secret 
inappropriate relationship. Quote, I hired one white man, brilliant, and my friend, and a great lawyer, she said. I hired one black man, another great friend, another superstar, and a great lawyer. They only come after the black male. Um, She does not deny that she's friends with some of the prosecutors. She hired some of her friends, some of them she may have gone to school with, went to law school with. She has known them not only in a professional capacity, but in a personal capacity. These things are not abnormal. In the season of Supreme Court justices going to Dubai on the dime of individuals who have political interests before the court. And we're talking about a DA who has a personal relationship possibly with one of the prosecutors in the case. If we made this a thing, do you realize how many prosecutors would be kicked off of cases because of violation of an office policy? And that's what it is at the end of the day. There's no statutory issue here. There's no constitutional issue. What constitutional issue is violated here? None. What statutory dynamic? What Georgia law says this is illegal? None. The only dynamic that potentially has been violated is an office policy of the county. Sharon, thoughts here? Well, I have a lot of them. And and you're right to bring up all these other issues. It's a very incestuous business. If you're practicing law in a city like Atlanta or any city, you're a prosecutor, you better know everybody. I don't know whether the DA, Madam DA, is involved in a personal relationship with Nathan Wade. And I don't care, except that I hope she finds love or if she's found it good for her. Um, But it hasn't affected her output in any way that we know. In fact, she seems to be winning a lot. Um, But let me say this, if you wanna start looking into extracurricular activities, okay? Her story, if true, would be so boring compared to at least one or more of the defendants. It's it's ridiculous, he's not an employee, he's a freelance uh, guy hired. The money is, you went over that, it might be on the low end. Considering it all is the defendants, yep. it might be on the low end. You know what this thing uh, requires, Dr. Ritchie, but I haven't heard any complaints about a workplace hostility, lost opportunities. Get out of here. That's right. Get out of here. You, you made a great point, well stated. Um, he's actually taking all of the attorneys, frankly, uh, that are special prosecutors here, they are taking a discount. Uh, normally, you would charge between $500 to $1,000 at their caliber of um, profession and also the caliber of case. They're capped at 250, 250 bucks per hour, they volunteer for that. I guarantee you every attorney is not going to jump up and say, hey, pick me. I would love to be in the middle of all of this chaos for $250 an hour. Not when you are already a $500 plus attorney and you could avoid what's happening now, okay? All right, just wanna set the record straight. We will bring updates as they develop court case pending. Something is happening in Alabama. Obviously, we've been covering Alabama since it was brought to my attention. An inmate, someone incarcerated inside of one of their correctional facilities was about to die. Now we have allegations that bodies are being returned to family members without their organs, without their heart or their brain. The university who does the autopsies per way of contract from the Department of Corrections 
they basically admit to it, double down on it, and explain why they're able to do this. And you will not believe the explanation. This is a pattern that I'm going to expose here. I want to remind you of reporting we have already done out of Alabama right here at Indisputable. Mr. Vaughn is alive. Mr. Vaughn was moved outside of that prison and placed in medical care. Senator John Ossoff received that segment, launched an investigation into the prison system in Alabama. That investigation is currently ongoing. And now we have more. Put up the pictures. The families of two Alabama prison inmates who died. In the past few weeks are demanding answers from the state authorities after they received their loved ones with their bodies bizarrely missing major internal organs. They're gone. Both of these cases raise questions about the treatment and mismanagement of the bodies of 74-year-old Charles Singleton and 43-year-old Brandon Dotson, who were inmates in the custody of the Alabama Department of Corrections. Mr. Singleton died more than two years ago at a hospital that that typically provides care for older inmates. Dotson was found dead two months ago in a cell at Ventress Correctional Facility. In Mr. Singleton's case, the University of Alabama, Birmingham, it's UAB, all right? Their pathology department conducted his autopsy before returning his remains. That's according to a report by WPDE. Court documents note that his family members had his body sent to a funeral home where the funeral director had to tell them, quote, it would be difficult to prepare his body for viewing since it was already in a noticeable state of decomposition and was suffering from advanced skin slippage. The family was also informed that Singleton's body was missing all of his organs, gone, every single one of them, including his brain. The funeral director told the family, it's common practice during an autopsy to remove internal organs and place them in bags, but they should be placed back inside the body once the process is complete. Singleton's family contacted the university about the organs, whereabouts, but reportedly received little to no information on the matter. Now, I did some research myself. These are regulated industries. You have to be certified, accredited by particular organizations in order to do this kind of work. That certification or that accreditation comes with a list of variables that must be adhered to per the rule. UAB released a statement in response to the lawsuit. Singleton's family filed, quote, we do not comment on pending litigation. We only conduct autopsies with consent or authorization and follow standard procedures equitably for anyone consented or to or authorized for an autopsy. The autopsy practice is accredited by the college of American pathologists and staffed by credentialed physicians who are certified 
by the American Board of Pathology. It continues, in an autopsy, organs and tissue are removed to best determine the cause of death. Autopsy consent includes consent for final disposition of the organs and tissue unless specifically requested. Organs are not returned to the body. UAB is among providers that consistent with Alabama law. This is the kicker here. Consistent with Alabama law, conduct autopsies of incarcerated persons. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Conduct autopsies of incarcerated persons at the direction of the state of Alabama, a panel of medical ethicists reviewed and endorsed our protocols regarding autopsies conducted for incarcerated persons. Your panel of ethical individuals, your panel of ethical individuals are anything but. Can I remind the University of Alabama, Birmingham, that you are not performing an autopsy on a prisoner? That person is at the university. They are no longer incarcerated, they're dead. They're dead, they're deceased. And whatever you do is in respect to the living family that's still here. So while you continue to release statements about performing autopsies on incarcerated people, they are not incarcerated. They are, in fact, gone. How do you change the rules? Because you've made a judgment as to the value of their life and the peace of their families. How do you get to make that call? Alabama law allows them to. Alabama law allows them to. So here's what I'm doing. I'm calling on the accrediting agency to change the rules. Alabama won't. There's no need to even try. But maybe you all will. There's more. Mr. Dotson's case was also full of holes for his family members. His mother requested state authorities to return his body as soon as his family learned of his death. This was mid-November. The Alabama Department of Corrections conducted an initial autopsy before returning his remains five days after his death. When the family sent his body to a funeral home, the funeral director said Dotson's body was severely decomposed, making plans for an open casket funeral impossible. The family was also reportedly told the body could have been improperly stored while it was in the state's possession. Family members hired an independent pathologist to carry out a second autopsy and discovered that Mr. Dawson's heart was missing from his body. In a federal lawsuit, they alleged that the Alabama Department of Corrections kept his heart without the family's consent. They also named the University of Alabama system a defendant in the belief that the university's Hearsink Medical School was a, quote, possible intended recipient of Dotson's heart. That is called organ harvesting. 
I don't give a damn that the people doing it have a nice job and wear a white coat. The school denounced the claim outright, calling it a a bold speculation, adding that the university never conducted the autopsy or received Dotson's organs. The Alabama Alabama Department of Corrections offered no statement, none, telling ABC 3340 that it doesn't comment on pending litigation. Lauren Ferriano, the attorney representing Dotson's family, recently commented on Singleton's case, citing that it proves that this is absolutely part of a pattern. Um, Let's put up the person in charge of that Ventress Correctional Facility, Warden Karen Williams. Um, Madam, you have some questions that must be answered. And naturally, we are going to stay on top of this until they are. Sharon, you see what's happening here, devaluation of life. They are utilizing systemic protocols in order to take things out of the body of human beings and saying we can do that because they're prisoners when the truth is they're deceased and we should respect the family that has to now lay them to rest. Alabama's making it up as they go along to suit their own interests. And anybody else who is going along with this filth in the state, and that includes the university and any, you mentioned the white coats, they know better. Being a prisoner does not mean that you give up your right to either donate your body to science or not, or have someone harvest your organs or not. My fear is your good friend and the esteemed attorney Harry Daniels didn't pack enough bags because he's gonna be there a while and this is just the tip of the iceberg. The fact that they are trying to justify this, Dr. Ritchie, this has destroyed what little I had left faith here that people would recognize just doing a little bit of the right thing. That's right. All right, we will bring you updates as they come. Angela Rye talks about an inappropriate, lewd text message she got from Chris Cuomo while he was at CNN. She was later canned, let go, and she believes it was connected to her making an issue about the text. She went on the podcast, here's what she said. I've never publicly shared this, but it is my truth and it is the time. So just 10 days prior to receiving that call on January 21st, the darling of the network and one of the most influential hosts during Jeff Zucker's tenure was texting me about a segment idea he had for his primetime show. Chris Cuomo was suddenly excited about a prominent regular role for me where I would check the left. Truthfully, I had my doubts on the genuine nature of this idea. Our on-air conversations and chemistry became something viewers look forward to. But Cuomo came up with this particular segment idea after a text exchange that went woefully wrong. I need this, I thought. A network exec had already told me they didn't see me as a host, despite my hosting a very successful podcast and hosting award-winning news specials on BET. This was my chance to prove them wrong. Can't I just ignore this indiscretion? 
It all began on New Year's Day when I posted a picture of myself looking forward to the new year in a gold sequin bikini on Instagram. Cuomo screenshot the image and said, Happy New Year, tinsel crotch. Stunned, I read and reread the message a dozen times, trying to understand. If I somehow brought this on myself, since whatever you post on social is fair game, right? I teared up, like now, then the tears flowed. I felt like the safest place I had on a show on CNN had been compromised. I ignored it, just hoping it would go away. Or even more, did I imagine this? But I didn't. A few hours later, he said hello. I didn't respond for two more days despite his plea the next day to call because he wanted to discuss work. I tried to punt until after the Georgia runoffs, asking a week later if he still wanted to discuss his work idea despite him mentioning tinsel bikini and tinsel bottom along the way. As I think about this, it feels so small compared to what other women in the workplace experience. But I was afraid to speak up. Between New Year's and my follow-up, an insurrection happened on Capitol Hill where I feared I would lose loved ones. I felt like if I called him out, I was risking everything I was finally starting to build with the network. And as someone who is known for being courageous, I cannot begin to tell you how much I felt like we even now feel like a coward. In 10 short days, I felt like what was a clear ride to the promised land turned into quicksand. Even upon receiving the call about my contract not being renewed, I was talking to another network about a big opportunity and feared I would lose that work. And most importantly, the ability to reach the audiences I love in such a critical time. I have nothing but respect for Angela Bryant. Put up the picture for a mask. You know, we take people through so much sometimes. She said something that was really powerful during this podcast and this podcast was Native Land Podcast, um, Andrew Gillum. Uh, she said this was her trusted place. That Cuomo, that show, him, the way he ran things, this was her trusted place. Ross spoke about this exchange on January 12th. She detailed the after effects of calling Cuomo out for his egregious comments and why she believes it led to her eventual firing. Here's the picture that he decided to screenshot and send to her allegedly with the message, Happy New Year tinsel crotch. Under what context can that be appropriate? None, none. When Cuomo was originally suspended from CNN, um, I had his back because he was suspended for helping his brother a violation of his whatever rules at CNN. Uh, I, I understand, uh, I would have looked at you different if you did not help your brother, okay? But this, Totally different situation. I'm not sure if the guy was drunk, it was around New Year's, but none of that matters. None of that matters. What he did was inappropriate. And for those who are pushing back, say it's not a big deal. 
What if he would have texted you, Happy New Year, Tinsel Crotch? How would you feel? There's more. More details. Approximately 10 days later, all right, after this took place, on January 21st, 2021, Rossev, she was contacted by CNN execs, who then informed her that her contract would not be renewed and that CNN, right after January 6th, and a historical election where we got our first ever black VP, who was a woman and Rise friend, would be focusing more on COVID. She has access. She's already well loved by the network. It did not make sense to let her go. And then they said, well, we're going to focus on COVID more and less on politics. COVID was all political. COVID was all political, meaning the political connections to COVID could not be dismissed in talking about COVID. There's more. However, Rye is not buying CNN's COVID excuse and suspects her negative reaction to Cuomo's advance might have prompted him to say something to the higher ups at the network. Quote, I knew it was a lie. And it was confirmed when two black women were hired for half my contributor rate right after, she said. Uh, Cuomo reaching out to Ross. So Ross says that Cuomo audaciously reached out to her last year to check her temperature and see if she was upset with him. Quote, I was, but I was really mad at myself, she said. I was mad at myself for not saying anything sooner because I was lacking courage and preferring my financial well-being over my mental health. Not standing up for women who are often less left, excuse me, powerless in these situations. Ra went on to say, quote, I was mad at myself for protecting your image with the black women I know who loved you and look forward to hearing your voice. I know I'm not the only one. And truthfully, I'm mad about that too. That everyone has given you a pass for fear of what it might mean to hold you accountable for clearly inappropriate behavior and overstepping. This is not the first round of allegations against Cuomo. So after the brother thing came out, other people came out, and he actually admitted to at least one of them many, many, many years ago. He admitted to one, said, I'm sorry, I was wrong. All right, there's more. Rock continues, quote, I was mad at myself for shrinking. In the face of power, when people depend on me to stand up, to speak up. This was harder for me because we were legitimately cool. We had a great rapport. And I was worried about damaging a friendship and a working relationship that you had actually damaged. I tried to redirect you repeatedly. And you abused the grace you never deserved. Right then shared one final closing message to Cuomo. Quote, so no, Chris. I won't be a guest on your program now or later. Thank you for the platform. It was not worth all of the mental and emotional turmoil. And I thank God that I'm clear about the fact that you can't take away a voice you never created. You are the network executives who enabled you. Well said. Well said. I believe Angela Rock. Let me go ahead and say that on the record. I have absolutely um, no doubt in my mind that she's telling the exact truth. Uh, and the reality is what she has done took significant courage because she understands the othering effect that takes place by those who simply would rather protect that culture than eradicate it. Sharing thoughts here. I love this powerful, brilliant 
queen. I too know she's telling the truth. Want to know why? Because I'm a black woman. Yeah. Her story is my story. Chris Cuomo was great at TV. I found him to be a natural, but that does not escape the fact that he's also a sophomoric brat and the son of a dearly departed governor who I had great respect for. The only thing I will take issue with, this beautiful queen, don't you dare, Angela Rye, don't you dare be ashamed or regretful about not speaking up sooner, because we get it. He tried to take away your livelihood. He tried to end you because, of course, the fact that you live in this beautiful shell and dare post a gorgeous bikini pic means you're his. A white man's for the taking. <sighs> it's historic. Don't you dare, Queen, not even for a second, put your head down. Uh uh-uh. uh. Maybe we will get a text or something in discovery. I'll end with this, Dr. Ritchie, because you know, Chris Cuomo's still suing CNN yes, for his ouster. That's right. He, at one time, was great buddies with Jeff Zucker, who this occurred on his watch. And I have no doubt that if evidence exists, it'll come out in the discovery. Yep. That's right. He is still locked in litigation with CNN. All right. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Are you getting so upset then if your children are so wonderful? Because you're walking around here. Let them kids. Oh, yeah, they're outside. Everywhere I go, they're shrieking kids. I'm going right back to you. Yeah, okay, lady. Okay. Everybody has to shriek. Okay. This is the world we live in. Everybody yells. Oh, yeah. Well, your kids are shrieking. I heard them way over there. Put up the picture full mass. Karen just wants a hug. This was zero to 1,000 for absolutely nothing. I must commend the, I assume the mother, definitely a caregiver of the children, for being so calm. So appropriate, providing an example to the young ones about how to respond when something like this happens. Obviously, outside is outside. 
if children are able to shriek or yell or be loud anywhere, it is outside. It is on the planet Earth in the atmosphere where you can be louder than normal. Um, I was actually shocked when I realized midway, this is a serious thing. This person is really upset. This is not a skit. This is not uh, someone trying to be hyperbolic and it's a joke. This is real. So Sharon, I'm sure in your mind, because your mind works, you were thinking this person could have done A, B, C, D, E, could have done so many other things rather than get upset and start to do what she said was getting on her nerves. She did herself. Thoughts? Yeah. And you were right about the hug part, Doc. He does need a hug and probably some therapy, and that's okay too. Um, she asked the question, you know, why can't I scream or something to the effect, just like the kid? You can't scream, Karen, because your ass can't fit down the slide or the swing set. Okay. Even ornery kids can brighten your day, Doc. She's yeah. mad at the world. And I know you think that's probably going too far. But she made herself bigger than she actually is. That's really what I'm referring to. If yeah. you want the kids to play with you, this isn't the way to do it. It's not the way to do it. If you want some human engagement, Karen, I promise there are people out there willing to give you a hug. All right. We, we may have to start a Let's Hug a Karen Association. Would you hug her, Doc? No. All right. Well, I'm just asking. Gotcha. The Lord ain't through with me yet. He's still working on me. All right. Black people are notorious for naming their children 25 letter names that they're never going to get even pronounced right, let alone spelled right. Like, why would you do that? Over there. Do you know why they actually do that? Yeah. The reason no. for that is, is because it? during slavery, they're, they're identities were taken away. So they had to have unique names in order to identify their offspring when they were sold from different plantations. So that came down generationally as generational trauma. Okay, well, how about now? Isn't that sort of trauma for that poor kid that's never going to have his name spelled right? Only to your standards. Like, what is... If I were that child, I wouldn't want my name misspelled all the way through or mispronounced by... Because people can't take the time to pronounce it correctly. You can say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious,but because my mom whitewashed my name. So that's racist. Wow. Put up the picture full mask. Let me give a big thank you to the anti Karen who provided somewhat of a history lesson here. It gets deeper than that, but you definitely get an A minus. Okay. So, to my understanding, the Karen that you see, she is concerned about black children being traumatized because they have names that white people may have a hard time pronouncing. When the anti-Karen said, okay, you can say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, but you can't say Jaquan. Drop mic moment. 
The reality is, Karen, that what you're saying and the way you possibly live is much more of a traumatic dynamic than a person's name. Um, that name is given, that's the first gift that your parents give you as you come into the world. It's the first gift. And it is a sacred gift. We're connected to that gift. For you to criticize individuals who may be children because they have a name that you may not want to learn how to pronounce correctly, but that's insane. I wonder, do you feel the same about our Asian brothers and sisters or possibly German names that are difficult for the English speaker? How about the Hispanic culture? Yeah, they were not part of your commentary, only black people. All right, Sharon, thoughts? My thoughts are she gets the prize. What a wonderful example of a racist in a coordinated rain gear. She is ridiculous. But to your point, Doc, the world is according to her. Yep. And that's all she sees. She's got the blinders on. And perhaps it is just a coincidence that she didn't get to German descent or Asian or Russian. She just started, I guess, with African Americans and um, gave her truth. She's a whole lie and a fool. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, she believed every word of what she was saying. Emphatically. Right? Okay. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. The police, they go into the wrong house, they throw in a flashbang grenade. There's a toddler sick and they're pointing fingers. All right, here it is. the picture of who they actually threw a grenade at. Yeah. It looked like 20 damn cops armed foot to head with grenades for them to. Illyria police broke the door used grenades. Courtney Price is demanding an investigation. Ms. Price says a mistaken police raid 
caught on a doorbell camera, injured her one-year-old son, Waylon. Ms. Price alleges police broke a window and deployed the flashbang grenade near the one-year-old. The incident occurring after Ms. Price and her son had traveled from Kentucky to stay with family in the city. This is Ohio. So she called, um, so she could, excuse me, receive medical care at the University Hospital's Rainbow Babies and Children. Home security video captured dozens of cops targeting her aunt's home in the Cleveland suburb after Wednesday, January 10th. Price alleges the flashbang explosion blew out a window right next to her son who was on a ventilator at the time. He could be dead, okay? Now in a statement, police say the search was appropriate and they dispute the woman's story. The police special response team was executing a search warrant for a 14 year old suspect connected to a burglary. A 14 year old connected to a burglary. The family's ring video captured the raid as the police broke down the front door. Price told CBS Mornings, quote, all I seen was lights flashing and smoke coming into the house. I didn't know what to do because there was guns pointed at me. I wanted to run to him, but I knew if I ran to him, they could have shot. Moments later, Price was taken outside and handcuffed. I kept scream, screaming, my baby, my baby is on a ventilator. My baby is in here. They didn't give a damn. I kept yelling for my baby, Price said in the interview with Cleveland.com and the plane dealer Friday night. The officers were in the home, searching the home. The baby was clearly laying there suffocating, turning red, blue, and they all just walked by him. Nobody went to him, end quote, put up the child. Ms. Price said Waylon was hospitalized with burns on his body after he was covered in glass and smoke. Price telling CBS News his diagnosis is a chemical pneumonitis from his chemicals in the flashbang, from the chemicals in the flashbang grenade. The child is recovering. Waylon, who was born prematurely, grapples with health issues already, is reliant on a ventilator already. At the time of the incident, his oxygen was nearby as he sat in his rocker next to his crib. Price says Waylon has been moved out of the ICU at, uh, at UH Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital, but is being treated for the inflammation of the lungs, irritation of the eyes, along with lingering effects of the smoke, already was on a ventilator. The child's mother brought him to Cleveland for heart surgery, but she says that now also has to be delayed. Um, but the police say they confirmed the child did not sustain any visible injuries at the scene, and that any allegations suggesting the child was exposed to chemical agents is not true. Damn it, the child breathes. A flashbang grenade releases chemicals in the air. It is meant to do that. That's the purpose of it. It is meant to bewilder the person inside by way of the smoke and chemicals inside of it. This is just insane. Put them up. It's a ridiculous statement. The police chief, Bill Pelko defended the officers in an interview with a local news outlet, quote, we hit the right house on Permalee. The search warrant was for 331 Permalee. That was the correct house. That wasn't a case of us hitting the wrong house. 
end quote. Price's aunt, Radia Jen, uh, Jennings, has rented this home for a year. She said the police have come multiple times searching for a suspect that did not live there. She says she doesn't feel safe anymore. The family plans to take legal action against the department. Meanwhile, the mayor, Kevin Brubaker, said he is, quote, deeply concerned and is reviewing body count footage, which will be released to the public by the end of the day Tuesday as an investigation into the department's conduct is underway. All right, so we got some video now. The family has set up a GoFundMe. Obviously, already struggling. Things already not great. The child already on a ventilator and heart surgery was pending. And then this happens. And the cops are saying they did the right thing. Let me tell you one practice that is supposed to be done. It is called a check for children. Anytime you do these raids, you are supposed to know, are there innocent people in the home? Are there sick people in the home? And are there children in the home? Put it up full mass. They need medical supplies. They need gas to cover travel. There's a GoFundMe. No apology, no nothing. Just a sorry, wrong house is all they actually said. Now the chief is even denying that. You can make a contribution. Justice for uh, Waylon, do the best you can do. Uh, I, I can't think of uh, a more chaotic and horrible storm than to drive somewhere, stay there just so you can make sure your baby has the proper care, and all of a sudden police come in and try to kill your child. Insane. All right, thought sharing. Hey, Bill, you hit the wrong house, Chief. Okay, he should have been fired by now for the statements alone. The callousness, he and his troops are, and I say troops, a danger to the public in Elyria, Ohio. This is why you don't give Barney Fife war right. tools to use against the citizenry. That's why you don't do that, okay? That's not the way it's supposed to be. And I don't know what the training is because it looked like a block party outside right. the home that they were tactically moving in on looking for a 14 year old burglary suspect. Okay, Bill, mayor, you need to fire Bill and perhaps disband the department. I mean that. I worked in Cleveland, okay, and covered Elyria and the other surrounding metro area. They should probably disband it for this alone. Yeah. Yeah. There will be updates. I do hope the, the family sues them so we can actually get this stuff on record. All right. A model, an online model, killed a boyfriend. Everybody basically said, well, no, no, it was actually self defense. Um, and then it came out, well, no, it wasn't. And she was eventually, eventually charged with murder. We have new video. This is on the Courtney Clinney um, and Christian Abunso. All right, here's the new video, and I will get into the details. Anyway, no, like I was. Sober for two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, and then why am I not sober? Because you, please, for your, you, you, you're hindering my progress. Let go of me. Let go. Let go. Okay. Come on, boy. Let go of me. 
Like, I can't even, like, I'll start to hit him, like, you saw me. And you don't want to hit me? Christian, if you saw me, and I know he's looking, I'm fed up with you. I'm fed up. I'm fed up with that. You treat me. Oh, yes, I'm not mad at you. Let, you let Malala say something, some, some line that affected you. I didn't let her say anything, but you did. Hey, ask her, can I touch her blanket today? Yesterday, when I you did, I didn't say nothing. You said I did. You were leaning. Yo, you were dumb as. I actually don't want to be with you. Actually, I'm done. Okay. Um, can you send him home? Yeah. Actually, I'm done. Okay, fine. Done. 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 Because you like you cost me money. The ironic thing is, when all of this went down, when he was killed, it was her friends who alerted authorities that they may need to investigate her because they did, in fact, yes, have a dysfunctional relationship. But according to her friends in the original narrative, she was much more volatile than he was. Put it up for a mask. In a new video released by attorneys for the victim's family, Courtney, the social media model, accused of fatally stabbing a boyfriend, Christian Aboom Selly, in their luxury Miami condo, can be seen repeatedly striking and yelling at him in an incident weeks before the violent crime. The new video shows an encounter between both Courtney and Christian in Aspen, Colorado. This was back in 2022. Christian and Courtney had moved to South Florida from Texas in January 2022. The three minute video was taken by a third person and shows that Courtney, wearing a blue puffy jacket over her zebra print sports bra and matching pants, was attacking a Christian who's wearing a Boston Celtics jersey. It's unknown what started the argument. Though Courtney accuses Christian of flirting with other girls and tells him. She had been sober for two weeks. Weeks later, April 3rd, 2022, the 27-year-old Christian was found fatally stabbed in the couple's luxury condo. All right. Um, and I want to remind you of another video that we have here. Here it is. Can you break both Yes, and I am so sorry. So shut up and let me 
slap you, dumbass! No, you're not gonna slap me. I'm Give me my phone. You have your phone. I don't have it anymore. What Find it and f***ing charge it. What? Find it and charge it! What do you mean? I'm sorry, Corey. I don't care. Find it and charge okay, it. Hey, just stop. Don't touch me. Find it. Can you help me find it? I won! So why? Find it! Why are you screaming, man? Not man, but why? You're man, 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 you're Can you just please shut up? Just please shut up. You went to go talk to her without talking. I didn't go to go. Yes, you did. You always want to I was on. You literally told me about it. Now he's like, damn. What are you doing? You are son. I didn't go to talk to her. I was going on a bike ride. Wait, what the? Get off of me. I'm going to talk to her. Is this going to make you act like this? You literally talked to her without telling me. Courtney, I was on a bike ride and she passed me and I said hi. Uh, you and Courtney are having a, a live chat. My bad, I forgot to tell you that. That doesn't make you to act and call me a. You're. Yes, yes. Thank you. Come from Courtney. Thank you. I want you to get away from me. Get away from me. She was calling um, her then boyfriend the N word. Um, over and over again, um, she later stabbed him to death. It took basically the act of Congress, figuratively speaking, in order for her to be charged much later for his death. Share your thoughts here. Thank goodness he recorded that uh, yeah. because people like to pretend that victims aren't victims. Sometimes recordings are still ignored and overlooked. It's a hell of an uphill battle to hold white women accountable. When they're blonde, it's almost impossible, okay? Courtney's white woman tears were supposed to cement her as the victim, and she was. As you mentioned, Doc, for a very long time, she was the victim. Yeah. And the dead black man, the dead black man was just representative of a threat neutralized. But now, yep. nope. Rest of the story. All right, Sharon, always a pleasure have you on the show. Uh, tell people they can follow you. Check out your great work. Thanks for having me, Doc. Appreciate you very much. Uh, at Sharon Reed Live on all platforms in the Black Network, Real Sharon Reed Show, and of course, my love TYT Sports. I hope you'll check out my videos. Absolutely, always a pleasure. Thank you for all the great work you do. Okay, we got more. Bullpit is next. Stick and stay. All right. Welcome back. Let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. All right, he's back. Christian Daytop, White House correspondent, Washington Examiner. Always good to have him on the show. Uh, Christian, happy new year to you, dear brother. Good to have you back, man. How are you? I'm great, Dr. Ritchie. Happy New Year to you and your family. Hope uh, you got a little relaxation uh, before the craziness this coming year. <laughs> there you go. Same to you, my friend. All right. Um, 
I may have lied last time you're on the show. I said, you know, I don't think things can get worse for Biden. Obviously, that was wrong. So let's talk about the new poll numbers. It looks as if Biden is literally less popular than Trump based on some polling data that has come out. His numbers are going in the wrong direction still. I thought he basically reached the floor. And what is, is the cause and effect relationship, you think? Associated with his declining poll numbers. And I'm talking about specifically with moderates and Democrats. What say you? Well, the cause is pretty apparent. I think the war in Israel is having a much more drastic impact on the Democratic base than President Biden's um, confidants and White House officials and cabinet members thought it might. Uh, that doesn't necessarily account for the drop that he's seen with black voters and Latino voters, but in young voters, people under 35, many of whom are voting for the first time ever uh, in November. He's now trailing Donald Trump, like you had mentioned. Biden won that demographic. He actually won all three of those demographics in 2020. And according to some of the Democratic strategists I'm talking to, this is the beginning of what they called a five alarm fire. Uh, we heard a lot about over the last year how President Biden needs to shift away from focusing on Bidenomics on the campaign trail and sort of roll out that 2020 playbook again. Don't compare me to God, compare me to the alternative. But it's starting to look like that might have been a shift that happened too late. And I, I would ask this to you, what more do you think the president can do at this point to sort of lure back black voters, other minority voters, or are we just sort of stuck with the fact that we've got a wildly unpopular president going up against a wildly unpopular opponent and the American electorate or the folks who are paying the price? That is a great question. Let's go to cause and effect. Why is he unpopular with the demographics you named? It is because of lack of delivery, lack of delivery. So if you want to actually transform the reality that is, you have to go back to your original resume. What did you run on? What did you promise? What did you say would happen if we voted you in and gave you additional members of the Senate? I mean, you got Senator Ossoff, you got Senator Warnock. Those people came from a Republican state. You normally would not have had that additional or those additional votes. The reality is this, it's not just the, the delivery, Christian. It's also the fight behind it. You see, Trump, when you go pound for pound, he didn't really deliver everything he said he would deliver. Just look at it, pound for pound, he broke a lot of promises. But the people that put him in office, they believed he did everything within his power to try and deliver those promises he did not deliver. So even when he came short of delivering the promise for his particular base, they are of the belief that he still bear, he could still bear the standard if elected again. Here's what's happening inside of other communities, especially the black community at large. There's this question about Biden having the zeal to do the work. It's understandable the man is not king. It's understandable he has to fight a contentious conservative movement. But it doesn't seem as if the vigor is there to do anything and everything within his authority. Don't break the law, hell bend it though. Push the envelope, sign an executive order. Let a court overturn you if it is deemed unconstitutional. These are things that Trump did. 
And he did them. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But what did it accomplish for him politically? The people that voted him in believed he's willing to push their agenda. The people that voted Biden in do not believe Biden is willing to push their agenda. It's that simple. If he pushes the agenda in that way, you will see a shift in the tides. But if he continues to be an institutionalist, as he has been for many years, you will see this decline and hopefully there will be a floor. And uh, the only thing that could turn that around, dear brother, uh, is if Trump is not qualified to run for president and is probably incarcerated. I hear what you're saying, but I think there's another problem that Biden is dealing with right now. Um, when I was running down my notes preparing today, I sort of identified this as a, as two prongs of a fork. One, okay. we know he truly is a moderate, despite the fact that uh, the administration came in promising all of these uh, progressive ideas. That being said, there's a, a a a large swath of people that are necessary to make a an administration hum, be they Republican or Democrat. And this was a problem that Trump ran into uh, from 2016 through 2020. If you don't have people who are a specifically buying in to your message and your ideals, and be competent enough to carry those out through fruition, then you're going to look like a hapless executive. And I think that's something that President Biden is dealing with right now, especially when it comes to his messaging strategy. I mean, I listened to him on Al Sharpton's radio show yesterday, and he was ticking off all of these things he's allegedly done for the black community, lowering unemployment to just over 5% a historic low, nominating a historic number of black women to the judiciary, including Supreme Court Justice Kentaji Brown Jackson. But the way he was saying it, and I don't know if it was whoever wrote his remarks or just his delivery at large, it didn't feel like he really was buying into it. And I think that sort of backs up what you're saying. So it's going to take more than just a change in Biden. It's really going to take a change in his entire political apparatus to make sure that message gets hammered home. And to that point, we're seeing some departures from the White House. Mitch Landrieu, who was a very effective infrastructure coordinator, former mayor of New Orleans, is departing the White House. He's going to the campaign proper. John Kerry, who you know, say what you want about him, uh, has been one of the most public-facing uh, members of the administration in pursuing Biden's climate agenda. He is also departing and going to be helping the reelection effort. So I think the campaign itself recognizes that they've got a major staffing problem, and it's not just a problem with the guy who's at the head of the ticket. You know, I I concur. I agree with you. Let's talk about the messaging dynamic. The rules of the game have changed. They've changed. The Republican Party, we can look at them now and say clearly, they are messaging heavy and policy light. No question about it. They are messaging heavy and policy light. And so every Republican who's running on a major stage, they are not quick to talk exacting policy because they don't know if Trump is going to disagree with it. They don't know what the ramification may be from the quote standard bearer of the party. And so instead of talking about policy, they talk about culture. They create these culture wars. And these things have been safe for them, right? They can say, we want to stop wokeness. The hell does that mean? But it works for their crowd, right? So they're messaging heavy. Democrats have always had a challenge messaging. I don't think it's ever been this bad, but they've always had a challenge with it. 
where everyone wants to give you, you know, a dissertation. When really, we just needed a paragraph, possibly an essay. We want you to be able to talk to people in a way they can understand and they get it and you can understand them. They don't have time to go over your dissertation. They don't because we are burdened with the reality of work. We're burdened with the reality of making ends meet. So we don't have that time. And it's not our fault we don't have the time to go through your dissertation every time you want to talk. And that's what Biden does. Biden will give you the dissertation. When I interview Vice President Kamala Harris, she will give you the dissertation. She will lay out line by line, moment by moment, what they have delivered for various groups. A, typically, it does not align precisely with what they ran on, meaning the resume. And number two, these things become antiquated at a particular time because politics is about what have you done for me lately? What are you doing for me today? I'm glad you did that in the first 90 days, but damn it, what have you done for me um, in, uh, in the last one year that I can track and I can feel? And I don't think that's happening. And messaging is a big part of that. Who do you think? Because I'm, I'm completely um, open to anyone taking the messaging helm and saying, we are going to refocus, reimagine this campaign, and Biden is going to become much more of an out of the box president like Trump was. Granted, I didn't like the way he, uh, I, I don't like his politics, but his methodology secured his base. And right now, Biden is not securing his own base. Yeah, I think you're right. I, and I think the campaign itself knows that. And that's a reason you're seeing Vice President Harris uh, strike out on her own a lot more yeah. over the last couple of months to try and bring back those legs of the of the coalition that Biden has clearly been bleeding support from. And I, I think this is a smart strategy for a number of reasons. One, uh, through the first two years of the administration, I, I don't think I'm uh, breaking news to anyone when I said that Kamala Harris probably uh, underperformed according to expectations, whether it was her handling of immigration, whether it was her uh, you know, constant gaffes regarding the space program or anything like that. But they're now sending her out to HBCUs. They're sending her to communities who have been impacted by gun violence. Uh, they've been sending her to you know economic areas of the country that have been underserved both by Republican and Democratic administrations. And there are say, and she's saying, excuse me, look, we've got your back. And I know this thing hasn't been hard or hasn't been easy over the past couple of years, but here's what we're going to do if we win election again. And here's exactly how Republicans will hurt you if Donald Trump or Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis or whoever wins the White House in November. Um, I think there are a couple of other people outside of the administration who are doing things like this. Gavin Newsom comes to mind and it's potentially self-serving. It looks like he's got eyes on a presidential run himself in the future. But I think the biggest problem for Biden is that traditionally Democrats have had voices outside of government uh, unofficially lobbying for them in elections, whether they're celebrities, whether they're activists. And right now, the activist crowd in particular doesn't like anything the administration is doing. It's not just go. the war in Israel. It's not just rolling back student loans. It's everything. And uh, I, I fear that it's a little too late to turn the page over for this current president. Yeah, they better hope Trump goes to jail. So let me say this very quickly. What you just said is it. That's it. And it's something I tell my college students. You took away, and I'm talking about Democrats, you silenced the voice of your door knockers. You silenced the voice of your call bankers. 
you silence the voice of your visibility team, the team that actually creates excitement for the campaign. You silence them. You silence them through saying no to AOC, no to uh, Nina Turner, uh, no to Cori Bush. You don't give them the space they deserve inside of the ranks of left-leaning political, uh, the left-leaning political spectrum. And now you need the crowds that support them, but you did not support the people they validated. There's a reason why the mainstream Republicans would tolerate Marjorie Taylor Greene. There's a reason why the mainstream Republicans would tolerate Matt Gates, because they understand the people that put them in office, those extreme right wingers, are the energetic force behind their movement to a degree. But on the Democratic side, we decided to surgically remove them as if they mean nothing and they don't exist. And these individuals actually are right on ideas where Republicans would tolerate those who are wrong on ideas and they know they are wrong on ideas and they will still allow them to have permeation in the party. What say you? I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, politics is a dirty business and everyone knows it takes more than one man to crew the ship. Uh, I think the the example of Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates is particularly prescient given the hell they raised uh, for the Republican conference over the last year, ousting Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy gave those people a platform in the first place in order to get the gavel and it came back to bite him. That being said, that's just the way Washington operates. Uh, and I think it's a lesson that President Biden and uh, perhaps Democratic leadership should take from their friends on the other side of the aisle. They want to have success in this election uh, in years to come. Farewell said, Mrs. Daytok. Please tell people they can follow you, check out your great work. Everyone can follow me anywhere. Uh, my handle is at talk radio, T-O-C radio. And you can read my work on WashingtonExaminer.com. Dr. Ritchie, thanks as always for having me on. Thank you for being here, Christian Daytok, White House correspondent, Washington Examiner. Always a pleasure. All right. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Indisputable is still the fastest growing news show in America. We tell the truth on Indisputable because the truth is indisputable. Listen, no matter what you do, don't allow the politics of ideology to evaporate the soul that still exists inside of you. They don't stop, I don't stop. Racism won't stop, I won't stop. Systemic bias won't stop, I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform, so I won't stop. You won't stop either.